Chapter Ten of Is He Popenjoy? This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Barry O'Neill. Is He Popenjoy by Anthony Trollope? Chapter Ten: The Dean as a Sporting Man. In Brotherton, the dean's performance in the run from Cross Hall Holt was almost as much talked of as Mrs. Houghton's accident. There had been rumours of things that he had done in the same line after taking orders when a young man, of runs that he had ridden, and even of visits which he had made to Newmarket and other wicked places. But as far as Brotherton knew, there had been nothing of all this since the dean had been a dean. Though he was constantly on horseback, he had never been known to do more than perhaps look at a meet, and it was understood through Brotherton generally that he had forbidden his daughter to hunt. But now no sooner was his daughter married, and the necessity of setting an example to her at an end, than the dean, with a rosette in his hat, for so the story was told, was after the hounds like a sporting farmer or a mere country gentleman. On the very next day Mr. Groshut told the whole story to the bishop, but Mr. Groshut had not seen the performance, and the bishop affected to disbelieve it. "'I'm afraid, my lord,' said the chaplain, "'I'm afraid you'll find it's true. "'If he rides after every pack of dogs in the county, I don't know that I can help it,' said the bishop. With this Mr. Groshut was by no means inclined to agree. A bishop is as much entitled to cause inquiries to be made into the moral conduct of a dean as of any country clergyman in his diocese. Suppose he were to take to gambling on the turf, said Mr. Groshut, with much horror expressed in his tone and countenance. But riding after a pack of dogs isn't gambling on the turf, said the bishop, who, though he would have liked to possess the power of putting down the dean, by no means relished the idea of being beaten in an attempt to do so and Mr. Cannon Holdenough heard of it. "'My dear,' he said to his wife, "'Manor Cross is coming out strong in the sporting way. Not only is Mrs. Houghton laid up there with a broken limb, but your brother's father-in-law took the brush on the same day.' "'The dean,' said Lady Alice. "'So they tell me. He was always so particular of not letting Mary ride over a single fence. He would hardly let her go to a meet on horseback.' Many fathers do what they won't let their daughters do. The dean has been always giving signs that he would like to break out a little. Can they do anything to him? Oh, dear, no, not if he was to hunt a pack of hounds himself, as far as I know. But I suppose it's wrong, Canon, said the clerical wife. Yes, I think it's wrong, because it will scandalize. Everything that gives offence is wrong, unless it be something that is on other grounds expedient. If it be true, we shall hear about it a good deal here, and it will not contribute to brotherly love and friendship among us clergymen. There was another canon at Brotherton, one Dr. Pountner, a red-faced man, very fond of his dinner, a man of infinite pluck and much attached to the cathedral, towards the reparation of which he had contributed liberally, and, having an ear for music, he had done much to raise the character of the choir though Dr. Pountner's sermons were supposed to be the worst ever heard from the pulpit of the cathedral, he was, on the account of the above good deeds, the most popular clergyman in the city. "'So, I'm told you've been distinguishing yourself, Mr. Dean,' said the doctor, meeting our friend in the close. 
"'Have I done so lately, more than is usual with me?' asked the dean, who had not hitherto heard of the rumour of his performances. "'I am told that you were so much ahead the other day in the hunting-field that you were unable to give assistance to the poor lady who broke her arm.' "'Oh, that's it. If I do anything at all, although I may do it but once in a dozen years, I like to do it well, Dr. Pountner. I wish I thought that you could follow my example and take a little exercise.' it would be very good for you the doctor was a heavy man and hardly walked much beyond the confines of the close or his own garden though a bold man he was not so ready as the dean and had no answer at hand yes continued our friend i did go a mile or two with them and i enjoyed it amazingly i wish with all my heart there was no prejudice against clergymen hunting i think it would be an abominable practice said dr pountner passing on the dean himself would have thought nothing more about it had there not appeared a few lines on the subject in a weekly newspaper called the brotherton church which was held to be a pestilential little rag by all the close deans canons and minor canons were all agreed as to this dr pountner hating the brotherton church quite as sincerely as did the dean the brotherton church was edited nominally by a certain mr grease a very pious man who had long striven but hitherto in vain to get orders but it was supposed by many that the paper was chiefly inspired by mr groschut it was always very laudatory of the bishop it had distinguished itself by its elaborate opposition to ritual its mission was to put down popery in the diocese of brotherton it always sneered at the chapter generally and very often said severe things of the dean on this occasion the paragraph was as follows there is rumour current that dean lovelace was out with the brotherton foxhounds last wednesday and that he rode with the pack all day leading the field we do not believe this but we hope that for the sake of the cathedral and for his own sake he will condescend to deny the report on the next saturday there was another paragraph with a reply from the dean we have received from the dean of brotherton the following startling letter which we publish without comment what our opinion on the subject may be our readers will understand deanery november eighteen seventy blank sir you have been correctly informed that i was out with the brotherton foxhounds on wednesday week last the other reports which you have published and as to which after publication you have asked for information are unfortunately incorrect i wish i could have done as well as my enemies accuse me of doing i am sir your humble servant henry lovelace to the editor of the brotherton church the dean's friends were unanimous in blaming him for having taken any notice of the attack the bishop who was at heart an honest man and a gentleman regretted it all the chapter were somewhat ashamed of it the minor canons were agreed that it was below the dignity of a dean dr pountner who had not yet forgotten the allusion to his obesity whispered in some clerical ear that nothing better could be expected out of a stable and canon holdenough who really liked the dean in spite of certain differences of opinion expostulated with him about it i would have let it pass said the canon why notice it at all because i would not have any one suppose that i was afraid to notice it because i would not have it thought that i had gone out with the hounds and was ashamed of what i had done nobody who knows you would have thought that 
I am proud to think that nobody who knows me would. I make as many mistakes as another, and am sorry for them afterwards. But I am never ashamed. I'll tell you what happened, not to justify my hunting, but to justify my letter. I was over at Manor Cross, and I went to the meet, because Mary went. I have not done such a thing before since I came to Brotherton, because there is what I will call a feeling against it. When I was there I rode a field or two with them, and I can tell you I enjoyed it. I dare say you did. Then, very soon after the fox broke, there was that brook at which Mrs. Houghton hurt herself. I happened to jump it, and the thing became talked about because of her accident. After that we came out on the Brotherton Road, and I went back to Manor Cross. Do not suppose that I should have been ashamed of myself if I had gone on even half a dozen more fields. I'm sure you wouldn't. The thing in itself is not bad. Nevertheless, thinking as the world around us does about hunting, a clergyman in my position would be wrong to hunt often. But a man who can feel horror at such a thing as this is a prig in religion. If, as is more likely, a man affects horror, he is a hypocrite. I believe that most clergymen will agree with me in that, but there is no clergyman in the diocese of whose agreement I feel more certain than of yours. It is the letter, not the hunting, to which I object. There was an apparent cowardice in refraining from answering such an attack. I am aware, Canon, of a growing feeling of hostility to myself. Not in the chapter. In the diocese, and I know whence it comes, and I think I understand its cause. Let what will come of it. I am not going to knock under. I want to quarrel with no man, and certainly with no clergyman. But I am not going to be frightened out of my own manner of life, or my own manner of thinking, by fear of a quarrel. Nobody doubts your courage. But what is the use of fighting when there is nothing to win? Let that wretched newspaper alone. It is beneath you and me, Dean. Very much beneath us, and so is your butler beneath you. But if he asks you a question, you will answer him. To tell the truth, I would rather they should call me indiscreet than timid. If I did not feel that it would be really wrong and painful to my friends, I would go out hunting three days next week, to let them know that I am not to be cowed. There was a good deal said at Manor Cross about the newspaper correspondence, and some condemnation of the dean expressed by the ladies, who thought that he had lowered himself by addressing a reply to the editor. In the heat of discussion a word or two was spoken by Lady Susanna, who entertained special objections to all things low, which made Mary very angry. "'I think Papa is at any rate a better judge than you can be,' she said. Between sisters, as sisters generally are, or even sisters-in-law, this would not be much. But at Manor Cross it was felt to be misconduct. Mary was so much younger than they were, and then she was the granddaughter of a tradesman.' No doubt they all thought that they were willing to admit her among themselves on terms of equality, but then there was a feeling among them that she ought to repay this great goodness by a certain degree of humility and submission. From day to day the young wife strengthened herself in a resolution that she would not be humble and would not be submissive. Lady Susanna, when she heard the words, drew herself up with an air of offended dignity. "'Mary, dear,' said Lady Sarah, is not that a little unkind? I think it is unkind to say that papa is indiscreet, said the dean's daughter. I wonder what you'd all think if I were to say a word against dear mamma. 
She had been specially instructed to call the Marchioness Mamma. "'The dean is not my father-in-law,' said Lady Amelia, very proudly, as though, in making the suggestion, she begged it to be understood that under no circumstances could such a connection have been possible. "'But he's my papa, and I shall stand up for him, and I do say that he must know more about such things than any lady.' Then Lady Susanna got up and marched majestically out of the room. Lord George was told of this, and found himself obliged to speak to his wife. "'I'm afraid there has been something between you and Susanna, dear. She abused papa, and I told her papa knew better than she did, and then she walked out of the room. I don't suppose she meant to abuse the dean. She called him names. She said he was indiscreet. That is calling him names. No, my dear, indiscreet is an epithet and even were it a noun substantive, as a name must be, it could only be one name. It was certainly very hard to fall in love with a man who could talk about epithets so very soon after his marriage, but yet she would go on trying. "'Dear George,' she said, "'don't you scold me. I will do anything you tell me, but I don't like them to say hard things of papa. You are not angry with me for taking papa's part, are you?' He kissed her, and told her that he was not in the least angry with her. But, nevertheless, he went on to insinuate that if she could bring herself to show something of submission to his sisters, it would make her own life happier, and theirs, and his. "'I would do anything I could to make your life happy,' she said. End of chapter 10